Don't Call Me Girl Boss is about sharing women small business owners' real, unfiltered, and relatable business journeys in Texas and California. I am your host, Jessica Ray Buck, a small business owner myself. I interview amazing women who share exactly how they got to where they are today. I hope this encourages anyone listening to start a business or get better in the business they are in. Yes. So I've only lived in Austin. Um, I was born here. So really? Oh my gosh. They're your unicorn. Yes. I'm a unicorn. Uh, (laughs) My parents were also born here. So second generation unicorn. So (laughs) how has it been growing up in Austin and seeing all the changes? Um, It's definitely been crazy. Um, It used to not be this busy. Um, Yeah, no, it's just changed a lot. Prices have gone up. It's very trendy now. I feel like growing up, um, my grandparents have some houses along like South first area mm-hmm. and that used to be like considered the ghetto. And now that's like insanely expensive. So it's just like crazy how much different areas have changed. So it's like crazy. Yeah. So how did you get into hair? Um, so honestly I went to school for, I went to college for a year and, um, I don't know. I just didn't love it. And, um, I decided that just like on a whim, I wanted to just go into hair school. I always liked watching like YouTube videos and things like that. But um, I guess when I was in high school, I didn't technically think it was more of a career back then. And now I feel like it's like really popular. Um, So yeah, I just, it was kind of on a whim. It was just, I just decided, Hey, I'm going to do something different. So I did it. And then what were you going to college for? Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, apparently you had to know trigonometry to be a kindergarten teacher. And I was like, yeah, apparently, um, I don't know. School was always a little bit harder for me, so I didn't love it. And I just, I'm glad I got out early, only did a year and like be in a lot of debt and decided to go a different path. And I'm glad I did it. So. And then what did that transition look like? Were you just like, I'm out of the school and then looking for hair schools or what, what happened? Um, so honestly, I only went to once, I only looked at one school. I I looked at the Aveda Institute and I just like fell in love with it. It was like so beautiful and it didn't really feel like a school. It felt like a salon and it just like got me really excited. And I really only looked at one, one place and I just went for it. So I really didn't really know what I was getting into. I did not realize how hard it actually is until I went to the school. I was like, wow, I didn't, did not expect it to be like this. So, and how was your experience out of Ada? It was good. Um, I'm glad I went there because, um, it was very, I feel like it was very professional and it really made me go to school. I know some people that went to other schools, which is nothing wrong with those, but like with theirs, um, you could only miss three Mondays of the whole semester, like the whole thing. And so that really made me go to school. And I feel like when I was like 20, I probably wasn't taking it seriously at the time. And that really made me like focus and take it more seriously. And I feel like it really prepared me for like the real like salon world. So I'm glad I went to that school. 
I've heard Aveda is known for like their shampoo bowl technique. Could you explain that? <laughs> is that weird that I know uh, that? <laughs> that's funny. Um, so I feel like Aveda is very like spa environment. Um, they do have, it's like, I think they're, it's, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. Um, it's like rituals. Like they have like a certain technique. Like I feel like it's important because whenever you're getting your head shampoo they want it to be very relaxing so they like taught us a technique that was just very more like soothing um but also we had to like massage people's hands and I like did not like doing that because that was just kind of weird mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it was definitely very spa like they definitely yeah. had like made away about everything like the way you foil the way you shampoo the way you massage people's hands and talk so it was a very like strict school looking back would you choose that school again so this isn't talking bad on the school this is just like (laughs) fyi um i'm glad i went there but honestly i feel like it's good if you're gonna be in an aveda salon like i don't work in a beta salon now so um i think it was good when you're young and like you kind of want to do other things. So I think it was good at keeping me focused, but I don't, I probably wouldn't go to that school if I went, if I went to cosmetology school now, like at the age I'm at, I think when you're young and you're, you kind of know what, don't know what you want to do. I would definitely do it, but I feel like you don't need all that stuff unless you're in an Aveda salon. So, so you would just go to like a JC or something that offers yeah. just something, just get your credentials. You you learn all the same stuff. And honestly, you learn the most in the salon than you do in school. So, so after you graduated, what was that like? <clears throat> Did you become an assistant? Yeah. So when I graduated, um, I assisted at a salon. Um, it was more of a booth rental salon. I just assisted like the owner of the salon. Um, and I loved it. I just kind of, I didn't really like go to like, interview many places I just kind of was like oh this place is cute I'll just go here and so I assisted the owner but it was booth rental so it was a lot different but um after that after a year of doing that I decided to go to a different salon and I assisted at the salon I'm at now which was like over four years ago so um I think it does make a big difference from a booth rental and a like a commission salon because I felt like I learned more at the commission salon assisting her it helped me like build my clientele I feel like at the booth rental it was kind of sounds bad but it's kind of just it was just kind of about the stylist it wasn't really about helping me learn but I did take some techniques from her and take some techniques from the lady I assisted now so and then how did you we'll definitely get into the rental versus commission I feel like that's a huge part of being a hairdresser yeah and I've never realized that even really until um, recently that that is huge. And yes, I didn't even know that there was, cause I'm a spray tanner and I've thought about this. I was like, what if there was a spray tan salon where it had other spray tanners, you know, kind of like a hairdressing salon, but I think the price point wouldn't work because it's just a way cheaper service. So it just wouldn't work, but mm-hmm. it's an interesting concept of getting someone commission or rental. It's yes. kind of scarier to be more commission, right? Um, for the I owner, maybe. It's more scary for the owner to be commissioned. Yeah. Or the, like the stylist to be commissioned. Or yeah, both, both situations. 
Um, yeah, I would say so because I guess rental, it's like the owner is getting money no matter what. And then, so like it was commissioned, she might not get as much money. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's an, int- I mean, I don't know if we're about to talk about that, but I definitely will talk about yes. it. I wanted to talk a little bit more about your assisting. So how important is it to assist and find a good hairdresser or is it just kind of like you started out and we're like, oh, I just need to get a job. So like I said, when I first got out of school, I just got a job yeah. and was a booth. I assisted at a booth rental salon for the owner and I loved it, but I think it's very important to go to like, like, I feel like I would went to like a higher end salon and it, it kind of, it sucks because, um, I had assist a lot longer, but I learned so much like, um, our salon now is like top 200 salons in America right now. So yeah, I know I the learned, salon you're at the owner's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So we learned, I learned a lot and I assisted the owner. So I learned a lot from her technique and I'm really glad. I feel like in the time I was like, oh my God, I assisted at the booth rental for a year. And then I assisted her for a year. I felt like all I was, was an assistant. I was like, this is terrible, yeah. but honestly, you learn so much being an assistant. And I feel like I learned a lot from her. And one thing I do like that she did was she made me do a lot of stuff, but she also taught me, like we went to a lot of like educating education classes and stuff. Um, I feel like some people go out of school and just go straight into doing hair. And I feel like, um, that's, it's great. Like, I think you're really excited when it first happens, like you're, Oh, I can be a hairstylist now, but I think you still have more to learn. And I learned so much in those two years of assisting like two different people. So I'm really glad I did it because I think that's made me who I am now. Um, but yeah. Do you know hairdressers that just go straight into being a hairdresser and not assist? Um, I do know there was a girl I'm not gonna say who, but there was a girl that, um, was at our salon, just working the front desk and she, she was going to be an assistant there, but she didn't want to wait for it. She's like, I don't want to be an assistant. So now she's like doing her own thing. And I mean, I think, I think some people can do it. I do know some people that do do it. I just think, I just think it's almost like an internship. Like you, you still need to like work behind someone for a minute and, learn more stuff. And I think when you're first starting out, you want to be in a well-known salon because that's going to help build your clientele. Yeah. And then how did you choose, you're at Mirror Mirror. How did you choose that salon after leaving the first place? Um, so I honestly just like sent a bunch of resumes to different salons. And I mean, I thought it was really cute. It was really close to where I was already at. So I really liked it. Um, I liked it that it was a small, it was actually a smaller salon when I first started. It was only six chairs. Now it's like 20. So, wow. um, I, I mean, I also saw that they had a lot of like awards for like best of Austin and stuff like that. So I really thought I wanted to be in a salon that's pretty well known. Um, I don't think at the time it was as well known, but now it definitely is. But, um, yeah, I just, they interviewed me and I got the job and I actually put on my resume, a legally blonde quote. <laughs> she always remembers me as that. So I can't remember what I said though, but it was something about legally blonde, but 
That's funny. Well, you have to stand out. There's so many hairdressers. Yeah. It's like being a realtor, you know, it's, I know. um, and did you know you were going from a rental and to commission and how different that would be? I didn't know at the time because technically when I was assisting at a rental salon, I still was getting paid the same. I was going to get paid at the commission. Um, but I, I knew I was going to learn more because they like told me they had did education and stuff like that. And when I got the job at the other one, they didn't really tell me any of that. It was kind of like, Oh, you're just going to assist me. And like, that's it. Like you have to kind of get your own clients. And with her, she was, she marketed us and she helped build our clientele. She like, she was very big about numbers, like, like very big. And I, at the time I was like, why does this matter? And now I'm like, wow, this really does. So and really I know good. you specialize in something and how did you choose that? And do you think it's important to specialize in one thing? Um, I feel like when you're first starting out, you can't specialize. You got to just do what you get. I definitely have like gone through the ringer on some crazy stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think once you've been doing it a while, you start finding what you love the most and what you're attracting. And I feel I definitely would say I specialize in blondes. Um, being a natural blonde, I feel like I understand what blondes want. Um, and also I just started posting blonde people on my Instagram. And I was like, it started like attracting those clients. And I was like, wow, like Instagram is really the new way to attract the audience you wanted. Like it was crazy. Um, and I don't know, I feel like some people don't like doing blondes because it is more work and harder, but I just, I love it. I mean, I, I definitely have to do a lot of work, but, um, I just feel like I understand what blondes want because being a blonde myself, I just understand. So, <laughs> yeah. And so you, do you get other people that have different color hair or are you all blonde now? Um, no, I get people that are other colors, but I would say for the most part, anyone that comes to me, they want something, some sort of blonde in their hair. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be like platinum blonde, like any shade of blonde. I would, I do have a couple of people from like a long time ago. I still do that, you know, our brunettes, but I would say for the most part, I do blondes and I feel like our salon just is a blonde salon. Really? Yeah. So I think interesting that a salon can like morph into, I know the owner's blonde too. So it's just kind of like morphs into that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you do extensions too. How did you learn that? Um, so when I assisted the owner at the first one I worked at, I, she did great links, which was like the little beads. Um, and so I always watched her do it and I was like, Oh, I want to do this. So I got trained in great links. Um, and then I got, I ended up putting them in my hair. Um, I loved them. And then when I moved to the other salon, I got trained in tape ins. And then I just got certified in the hand tied, which is the hand tied wefts. Um, I love it. I think it's just like a good way to make, like it's a, it's a high price ticket. So it's a good way to make money, but also I feel like most women want more hair. So I feel mm -hmm. like it's a big, like, um, what's the word? Like all the people, everyone wants them nowadays. So I'm like glad I'm doing because I feel like that's like the trendy thing to do extensions. So what's your favorite technique? For extensions? Yeah. Or, um, I would say the hand tied for sure. When I did the great links, um, 
they're definitely more natural. I've had great lengths tapins and hand tied in my hair, so I know them all. Um, but they take forever. It's like one little bead at a time. And it's literally, I remember I did my friend and it took five hours. Like it was wow. crazy. It was nuts. And then they, the tapins, um, they're easy too, but I just honestly don't like the way they flap out. But I would say the hand tied is the type I like the most because it's the most natural. It's the quickest. You just like have, like, I have two rows of my hair. So it's honestly, it takes most two hours to put them in. Um, and you just honestly get them moved up every eight weeks and it, you don't have to worry about one falling out of your hair, one flipping out. It's like just one piece in your hair. So it's just a lot easier. As a business standpoint, how do you choose which hair to go with? Do you try all of them and then choose one that you like? So right now, um, just because I'm at the salon I'm at, um, we only carry MV Hairco. It's actually one of my coworkers who like founded the brand. So right now we only use those, but I definitely want to try other brands. I really love MV Hairco. So that's what's in my hair now. Um, but I definitely want to try like the habit hair and the Jay-Z styles hair. Um, I just haven't yet, but I definitely want to soon. So. And that's like one of the things with rental versus commission rental, you can have your own control and commission. You don't have control. Yes. So I would say rental. Yes. You're in control, whatever you want, but being a commission salon, you, I, I can't like bring in a different hair type. Like I have to use the hair that we use there. So MB Herico is the hair we use. Um, when I was doing tape-ins, we used Hotheads. So that was the other brand. Um, so yeah, right now I just can't technically do that. But I mean, I love the MB Herico. I have it in my hair. I think it's great, but I would love to try other stuff too. So yeah, I was in, before I moved here, I was in the marketing world, like the beauty marketing world. And I used to work with dream catchers. Have you heard of them? Uh-huh. I used to work with their hair and like, I know the owner and stuff. And so I just know a little bit about that world, but I know they have good hair. Okay. (laughs) I will remember that. (laughs) Um, And I guess now we could talk about commission versus rental. What, what is the difference? Like start from like the beginning standpoint, like if I had knew nothing about it. Okay. So rental, I, well, let's do commission. Commission I think is great because if you're just starting out in the hair world, I think you should go to a commission salon because, um, it's going to help build your clientele. Um, I think commission is good for like a new hairstylist because you don't have to pay for the products. You don't have to pay for the color. Um, they're going to market you. They're going to schedule you. They're going to check your clients out. So pretty much you just show up to work, do what you got to do and leave. And so I think that's great. Um, you don't have to worry about anything. You just go there and then leave. Um, but I also think it's good because they're going to help, they're going to help teach you like new techniques. They're going to let you go to education classes. Um, like the owner of my salon, she actually got tickets to behind the chair, which is like a big famous like hair show. And I got one for free because she had them. So I feel like if I was at a rental, I wouldn't have gotten that. So that was cool. Um, And also she's going to help, I think commission salons are going to help find strategies to help build your clientele and like make you a better stylist. That's how I would say commission is. And then rental is more like, 
you're on your own. Like <laughs> you have to provide your own products. You have to provide your own color. You have to market yourself. You have to check your people out. So pretty much you're going from like someone doing all your work to you're doing it all yourself. So I think it's great if you just start out to do commission. I think if you want to branch out on your own, then rental's a good one. Um, because it, it's kind of weird though, because we have some, we have some clients at our salon that are not clients, coworkers at our salon have done both. And there's like pros and cons to both of them. So, um, but yeah, rental, you would have to just market yourself and pretty much do everything yourself. So. And what is the commission split? Was it 60, 40? Our salon is based off of like a sliding scale. Right now I would say I get 50, but then there's also a color charge. So, um, but it's based off a sliding scale. I think when I was maybe like a year ago, I was getting like 40. So I don't think a color charge, like, what does that mean? So like we get the way ours works is, um, every week we get paid just during COVID. That's like the new way we're getting paid. So, um, depending on the sliding scale, you'll make anywhere from 40 to 50% of your check. And then I think when you're more of a stylist or a senior stylist, you're also going to get a color charge. And that's just because color is super expensive. Um, and we go through it like crazy. So, um, she just has to take out a color charge just to like help with that, I guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah. My friend, I'm not going to name the salon, but there's a salon here that does, I've seen like, um, what they charge them and it's literally insane. It's like a color fee, um, a checkout fee. Yeah. It's like fee after fee after fee and she's the rental but they charge like so many fees. So it's just crazy to me hearing about like the different ways, um, owner, cause everyone's so different and every salon is so different. And I think that's something that as a hairdresser, you know, right out of high school, you're like, Ooh, I love hair. I'm going to go do hair. But like, do you understand the business standpoint behind hair? And I feel like no one does. No. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like one of the main reasons I started this was because it's so like, figure it out. Hopefully you have someone that you're good assisting under because, you know, you're basically becoming a business owner. Yeah, very true. Yeah. I definitely didn't, I definitely did not know any of that going in. And I mean, you just, I guess that's just how anyone starting a new career is. You just kind of learn as you go, but yeah. yeah. So when you are commissioned, do you feel like, Hey, like I should be getting more or how does your mindset feel after a certain time? Is there like everyone goes from commission to rental because they realize they can make more money or do people stay commissioned forever? I guess that just really depends on the person. Um, we've had, I have some coworkers that have been at the salon, like since it started 11 years and they love it. I think they, it just depends on you as a person. Like some people just want to go to work. And I'll have to worry about anything. And like, they're okay with that amount of money they don't get. Um, and then other people, you know, I think are more eager. They want to like, I guess, grow. I'm not saying you wouldn't grow, like staying in a commission salon, you will grow. Um, but I think they just feel like they can do it themselves probably. 
Yeah. So, um, how do I word this? Sorry. <laughs> no, we can just um, go to the next question. I do. So when you're commissioned and then you go to rental, are you able to take your clients or is there like, hey, you're not able to take any clients. You have no access to them. How does that work? Yeah, I don't really know that. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm pretty sure you can take your own clients. I think it's kind of like you can, I mean, I don't feel like clients should be locked into a salon. I mean, I think yeah. if you, if the client first, when they first went there, they went, they asked for you or like they reached out to you. I don't, I feel like you should be able to have them like take them with you. Um, what was I going to say? Um, sorry. No, <laughs> I'm like okay. going blank. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think clients should be locked to one person because I mean, it's a free country. You should be able to go wherever you want to go. So yeah. Well, yeah. I was just thinking as a business owner standpoint, like they'd probably want to protect, you know, that's yeah. how they get their bread and butter. So I'm interested, interesting to see like that dynamic of a hairdresser mm -hmm. changing, like, does the owner get upset? Is it like, Hey, you can't take any of your clients. I don't, I, in my experience, I haven't experienced that with my owner, my salon, I feel like she's really sweet and yeah, I don't feel like she's like that, but you know, I don't think every owner's like that. I'm sure there are owners out there that are like, this is my client. Yeah, like, no, like I know people get crazy and I know I've heard of people being like, that's a big risk with commission. Cause you're teaching them, you're investing in them. And then they could just be like, Hey, I'm out. And you invested all this money and time and then yeah. they keep their clients yeah. with you, with them, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> So it is scary, I think, but it's scary on both sides. Cause like you're to, you know, if you are leaving or if you know someone that has left, it's like you risk leaving all of that client behind because they like that yep. salon. So there's a yep. risk on both sides. Exactly. Yeah. Like you could, you could, like you said, you could leave and they, they might follow you and then they might realize, oh, I kind of missed the big salon environment or whatever. So yeah, that is very true. And then, so there, now there's solas. So you have basically three options or you can be a hair salon owner. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on like solas? I, I know some people hate them and some people love them. Like the studios? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I think Salon Lost is also one. Mm -hmm. Um. So hmm. I think, I think all three are great. I think, I think it'd be cool to have your own little studio because it's like, I feel like if you go to a rental, like you're still, you're still like in charge of everything, but it's not your style. It's not your salon, but you're, you are your own salon owner. So like you are your own salon over owner, but you're at a salon that's not yours. So it's, I feel like you don't get to decorate and do however you want. But I think if you go to a salon loft, like it's your space, you can make it however you want. Mm -hmm. You have, Like you can make the rules about everything. I feel like at a rental, like you still have to follow some rules. So I feel like it's like you go from commission rental to salon studios, how I would see it. Yeah. So. Um, hmm. so when you were building your clientele, was that difficult or was it mainly on the salon? So when I first started building my clientele, it was very difficult, like ooh, so difficult, but I also feel like like I said, I don't, I think when I first started, I wasn't taking it as seriously. Like I was still like partying and doing all that. Um, I feel like 
after I had my son, I was taking it seriously before I had my son, but I think after I had my son, I took it really seriously. Um, and I just started posting a lot on Instagram and I feel like that is like the best way to build your clientele, like in anything, because it's just free marketing for yourself. Like I never, like my boss would be like, you need to post on Instagram. She wants us to post like one photo, hair photo a day. And I was just like, why do I have to do that? Like, this is dumb. And then I started doing that. And I was like, wow, I'm getting a lot of DMS from other girls loving my hair photos. And they're wanting to go to me. Cause I feel like it's like a it's just like your free, a free portfolio of your work. Like, yeah, I feel like back then that wasn't the thing, but I think now like social media is such a great way to like network yourself and, um, brand yourself to other people. Were you doing discounts in the beginning? Yes. So definitely was doing discounts. Like we do like free treatments or free blowouts or free haircut. I feel like after I was done assisting the owner I'm at, I went straight behind like the chair kind of thing. And I mean, she would, she would help market me for sure. Like she was definitely help marketing me, but I also, she wanted me to um, build it myself. So she, we used to do like a meetup, like every Monday and I would have to, I would have a sheet and I would have to reach out to 20 people a week trying to get them into the salon. So she gave me good strategies on how to like do that. And how would you find the name? It was just like people who follow you on Instagram. I would do with people. I follow me on Instagram. I would do like friends. I would do family. I would just kind of like, she just tell me, think of 20 people, you know, and reach out to them about getting their hair done. And I used to think it was so awkward. I was like, oh, I don't do this, but it really works. Or, and then she'd be like, go around to like sorority houses and like, give your card out, like just do things like that. So but yeah. And is your price point, like, are do you feel like you have to have a certain client or are you able to do those college girls because they'll be able to afford it? I feel like where my price point is at, I feel like I, I did get, my prices did raise and I was worried I was going to lose clients, but I feel like, you know, if they love your work, they're going to, they're going to follow you and they might have to pay more, but, um, they'll still go to you. I mean, if, if they don't, there's always like someone at our salon that might be a little bit cheaper that they could go to. So, um, how but I have how is it cheaper when it's commission-based? Are you guys like senior artists? Is that why? Um, so at the salon we're at, it's like new talent or it's assistant, new talent, stylist, and senior stylist, but it's all based on numbers. Like, um, I'm considered a stylist. Um, so you have to hit certain numbers in order to move up. Um, and also like how many years are in the salon. So obviously your price goes up. Yes. And then so. you don't make that. They just tell you like, okay, your price is going up now. Yeah. So they would, they would make the prices for us. So, but I mean, we could always tweak it if we wanted to, like, there's definitely sometimes like, you know, I might make it a little cheaper for someone just cause like they've been going to me for a long time, you know, um, or vice versa. So. Well, that's nice. You have that control and able to yeah. not like, Hey, you have to charge this much. It's kind of like, what, like, are you able to even work with influencers and do something free? Yeah, we can totally do that. Um, we have all, I think we've definitely all have worked with some influencers. I definitely get people reaching out to me for that. Um, I would say I would do it more on extensions. Like 
put the extensions in their hair, but don't charge them the like install fee. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think extensions is just like a big, like marketing spot right now. So that's what, what? I would do. Is there, how has it been working with influencers? Do you find it beneficial? I think it can be. I definitely think I've had some influencers that said they're influencers, but they're not really influencers. And then I've had some that, you know, it definitely has worked out. Um, But kind of what I've done is if someone reaches out to me, I'm not going to instantly give it to them for free. I'm like, look, we're going to do a trial run and see if you're actually legit because I have definitely done that and like, didn't get anything out of it. So I would be like, okay, I'm going to give you like a discount. And then if, you know, people come to me or like whatever, then I'll, I'll do it cheaper the next time kind of thing. That's how I've decided to do it. Does that push influencers away or do you find people respond to that? Um, I feel like it might push some away, but I also think some are like, okay with it. I think they're I had one that um, reached out to me and I told her that and she was totally fine with that. And so then she did a post and I actually, you know, I got people following me. So next time I see her, I'm going to make it cheaper. I just, I don't want to like give out my hard work for free unless I'm getting something out of it. And I think, I think it should be like a trial run. Like I should see like if this really works. Cause I definitely did it and it didn't work. And I just did all that for free. So yeah, it's such a hard line. Cause it's like, okay, they have 15K following you. That's 15,000 eyes potentially on your work, but are they fake followers? Yes. Do they care about who they're following? You know, it's, it's very hard to gauge. And, um, yes, I've worked with tons and tons of influencers and yeah, some I don't get anything from. And like, I've learned that I don't focus on that. I focus on the content I get from them to be able to repost but that's yeah. because my line of work, like, I can't take a picture of you after a spray tan. You're gonna be like, no, I look like shit, you know, for you, it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna take a picture of your hair now before you leave. So I just think it's different. Yeah. And also spray tanning is like a 15 minute service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so fast. Hey, it's important. Everyone needs yeah. a good spray tan. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just different. So I think if someone's listening, I just think it's important to really look at the work that you're doing, if you're installing five hours worth of extensions, yeah, you need to be making sure like you're getting something out of it for sure. Yeah. But if you're doing a 10 minute service that costs you X amount and it's not going to break the bank, like do it and get free yeah. content, but yeah. make sure that person's aligned with the pictures. Like perfect example, like I wouldn't post or work with someone who is like super sexy on Instagram, you know, like posting yeah. lingerie or her butt all the time. Cause like, that's not the look I'm going for, but it also might attract male, the male. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I don't want that, even though she has 50 K followers and I might get something out of it. Like I'm no, I'm not going to repost her photo. Yeah. That makes so sense. It's just making like you, like you probably wouldn't work with a brunette influencer. Like that wouldn't make sense. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so now they just kind of like slide into your DMS and you're just like, look at what, so what, so say, um, an influencer goes into your DMS, like, what is it that you first do? Like, do you look at their Instagram and like, what is it that you gauge it by? I do. I, I for sure look at their Instagram, see like what their page is. Um, and then I honestly probably, I go to their followers and just see like, like if it looks like legit, cause I do have some, I have a friend, I'm not going to say who she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> she definitely has a lot of followers, but they're fake followers. So like she has a hundred 
Oh God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She has no, like it's okay. It's a thing yeah. and I get it because you yeah. do make more money because brands don't fully understand the influencer game. So if you have, you know, bought 10,000 more followers, you're going to get more money. So like, I get it, but you know, brands are eventually going to catch on. So it's just, yeah. it's just that line. Yeah. But those are, I probably look at the followers and I definitely look at the page and see like what vibe we're getting on there. Um, and if I feel like they're, it looks legit, like, you know, I will kind of explain to them, Hey, like, I'm happy to like, give you a discount, see how this goes. If things go well, then I'm happy to do this for you just so I get something out of it and they get something out of it, you know? So have you reached out to influencers yourself or have you just waited for them to message you? I definitely have reached out to some influencers, some reply, some don't. Yeah, that's normal. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I feel like it's sad when they don't, but they definitely, I did reach out to one that had like a 1 million followers and she never reached out to me, but then I thought about it. She's like sexy. And I was like, she probably has all male people. So I'm like, it's fine. But you know, you have to shoot your shot. You know, I've heard that like the UK says I've been watching Love Island and they say that shoot your shot. (laughs) It's basically like, when you like go up to someone or like, Hey, kind of like that. You have to put yourself out there because that million, the person with the million followers might respond you know, and you will never know if you didn't message them. So yeah, yeah, they're probably not going to see it, but you know, they might. Yeah. Well, what game. Oh, sorry. What I also sometimes do is, um, I'll go on Instagram and honestly like type in a hashtag and I'll just go and like people's photos and like comment on them just to like get them to look at my page. So I feel like I've done that. Will you kind of look for, I well, since I live in Austin, I'll probably do like, Oh, let's define that. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I probably would type in just like ATX life or like just, I wouldn't want to type in like blonde hairstyles because obviously like those are people already got their hair done. I would just try to type in like restaurants, like in Austin, I like, or places I would want my client. I would feel like my clientele would go to. And I would just like go on there and look at blonde girls (laughs) and I just go like their photos and comment. And I've actually had success and I feel like they ended up following me back or messaging me. So no, that is super smart. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's something you can easily do when you're first starting out or, you know, as you you have a successful client list now, but like you can always grow, you can always find new clients or bigger ticket clients and get rid of like the clients that, you know, aren't making you that much money. Yeah. I know that's kind of like rude to say, but I mean, this is a business like this, your time is your business. So you have to look at it that way. If someone's just getting a trim, like you want someone who's getting highlights and extensions. Yes. More money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so you also have a two-year-old. What are you working full-time? Um, so right now I'm technically part-time. Um, I feel like after I had my son, I just went part-time, but I think, um, I'm just having a lot of people reach out to me wanting to get in. And I feel like I'm honestly working every day now. I feel like I'm just, even my boss is like, you need to like, you need to like, put some boundaries because I'll like come in on a Monday and I'll come in on like a Thursday when I don't work. Um, so I definitely am probably going to go full time, but I need to like be more strict about my schedule. But for the most part, I've been part-time since I had them. So. And how does that work? Are you just working two days a week? 
No. So I work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, but because of COVID, I work 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then I'll work two to eight on Fridays and Sundays, but I've just been, I mean, really, I can only do two clients and not maybe three. Um, so I've already explained that to them and I'm definitely going to have to open up, but I'm definitely working more right now. I'm definitely would say I'm working more than that right now because there's just too many DMS coming my way. Well, everyone's moving here. So everyone's clients are growing like crazy, but, um, how has it been with COVID and being at a big salon? I feel very lucky because I know a lot of salons didn't, um, you know, close down. We actually had two hairstylists move here from Cali because they were out of work for eight months. Yeah. So I feel still really bad there. I'm from California. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. I was there, you know, my whole life. I moved here a year and a half ago and, um, yeah, I have a salon in California still and oh, cool. it's, yeah, it's not been easy and it's still not easy out there. They're not, they're not like how we are out here. Yeah. I just feel like my boss is like really good about marketing us. Like she like did something when we all shut down for two months about like getting donations, like from other like clients and like just doing things like that and getting PPP. Like I just, how did that go? The PPP, did you guys individually get it? She got it. She got it for the salon. And then I'm trying to think she got it at a weird time where it was like, we're already kind of going back to work. It was like, either you got PPP or you got, um, unemployment, mm-hmm. was which, which would, which one was ever more. But, um, I think I was getting PPP. Yeah. I don't know. It was kind of weird, but at first I was getting unemployment and then she got PPP and then we got PPP. So, so what does that I mean? was, like when you say that, like she got money for the salon because of your guys hourly wages and then gave them to you. Uh, yeah. So whatever we, whatever our normal, like whatever our hourly wages are, that's what she would give us. Um, it was like a big loan that went to the salon and then she broke it up between all of us on based on like what we made normally in the salon. Okay. Obviously it wasn't as much as we normally would make, but um, it definitely got us by. So I was very appreciative of that because not many people have that opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah. The PPP was a lifesaver for me too. Um, it was a lifeline for sure. I don't know how people made it out without the PPP. I know crazy. So how is it now? You guys are still not open to full capacity. Um, so we're technically not open full capacity. We almost are, but what's been great is like, like I said, like some people work 7am to one and then two to eight we're working every, like every day is open. So I feel like she made it where we're all still working what we would normally work. We're just broken it up. But, um, right now we have plexiglasses. So like it's every other station. Um, but we're probably about to open up full capacity soon, but we're probably still going to keep our schedules. You're allowed to be full capacity. You guys are just waiting. Yeah. I think she just wants to wait. I think she just doesn't want to be like the first one to go. I mean, it's pretty much open full capacity. I think there's like two stations not open now, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. It must. So do you know people, if that were rental booth that still had to pay rent during COVID 
Is that like one of the things that you would say is not good about being rental? Yeah, because I feel like, like, yeah, because if you were in rental during COVID, you would still have to pay them. And like, if you're in commission, like if I'm not working, I'm not, yeah, ma- I'm not making money, but I don't have to pay anything. Like, mm-hmm. so I thought that was awesome that she still was paying us money, even though she didn't have to technically. So, yeah. And kind of like, sorry, sucks for you. You still have to pay this bill. It's like an apartment. So I know it was hard. Cause I had, I rent out a room in California and the girl still had to pay rent, like rent still do. But you know, I told her, I was like, you can get the PPP loan. I got the PPP loan. Like that's supposed to cover it. So it was interesting because contractors were able to get the PPP loan. Like you mm-hmm. technically were able to get a PPP loan yourself mm-hmm. and not go through the owner. Like you could have got one. You just had oh. to be a 1099 contractor. Oh, so that's why I was like asking so many questions because, um, like you can be on unemployment and get the PPP loan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that's, there's just been so much, um, miscommunication about the PPP loan and just people don't fully understand it. And that's the government's fault because they weren't like, I had to hound them to get my PPP loan. Like it was not like an easy process and no one was there to be like, Hey, well, actually you can do this, this, and this. It was like, you're on your own, figure it out. Oh yeah. That sucks. So I think that's one good thing why I'm glad I was at a commission salon during COVID because that would have sucked. So yeah. What do you think is the hardest thing about being a hairdresser? Um, so I think the hardest thing is one, you're definitely on your feet all the time. Um, I was on my feet from a Thursday and I had my son on a Saturday. So I worked the whole pregnancy. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. Um, also I think it's a very cutthroat environment. Like, you know, some people are going to love what you do with their hair and some people aren't, and you just have to be able to take it and you have to just like figure out how to handle it. So, I mean, I think that's probably the hardest thing is like figuring out what your client wants, because I always make people show me pictures because I feel like they will say a word and you will think that word is different than what they're thinking. So definitely communication is a very big factor in hairstylist world. So how, so say someone hates their hair, what do you do? Do you like, Hey, come in tomorrow or is it like, Hey, figure it out. Sorry. No. So if someone didn't like their hair, I would try to fix it right then and there. If I didn't have time, I would have them come back a different day. Like I would fix it until they're happy. Um, I know that there are some like I've had some clients come to me like after a bad experience and they said that their hairstylist didn't fix it. Like mm-hmm. they said they had to pay for it. And I don't think that's right. I think if you're not happy with your hair, I think we should fix it for free. That's how I would personally see it, but it would have to be something realistic. If it was like, they're like a level four, which is like super dark and they want to be like a level 10, that's not going to happen in one setting. And I would, but you also need to be clear of communicating with them. Like you have to be super clear because I think people will take things differently if you don't word it properly. So, yeah, it is very difficult. That's like why when I spray tan people, I always usually do medium the first time I spray tan them because my medium and your medium could be totally different shades. Like, yes, my medium could be light to you, but mm-hmm. like we have to start somewhere. So like someone will be like, I want to be dark. I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> like I no, won't exactly. do it. 
I'm like, this is my first time spray tanning you. Next time we'll go dark if you want to do that. But like, we need to start here. Yes. So when someone says like, you see my hair, I'm like pretty dark. If I was like, I want to be blonde. Like, what would you say? Like, you have to like, well, how is your education on that without being rude? (laughs) I would just tell them that, you know, this isn't going to happen in one session. Like this is going to take a couple of sessions. I would just explain to them that let's see how far we can get you today. But also I want to care about the integrity of your hair. Yeah. Um, so I, I, what, how I do it is I try to under promise them than over promise them. I rather under promise them and then give them more than what they're thinking than over promise them. And then they're not happy. Yeah. So yeah. with your hair, I definitely would say <laughs> yeah no I know I just wanted yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know I know I I but I get girls that are sometimes brunette like you and they want to be super blonde and I'm like girl I'm like this is not gonna happen like instantly They're and most like, people, I've seen Selena Gomez do it in one day can't you do that I'm like no unless you're gonna pay me like thousands of dollars yeah I don't personally I don't think that's healthy so I wouldn't do that yeah I've just seen that where it was like I forgot who, what hairdresser did it. Maybe it was like the 910 salon in LA or something. And it was just like, yeah, literally brunette to blonde and like, probably like, I don't know, 12 hours or something. Oh yeah. The owner of our salon actually like has done something with them before. So they're, I love that salon or, um, oh, what's her name? She has a wig on. Did you know that? Remember that was all over TikTok. Which one? Oh, what is her name? It's like, she had like black hair with like green She's like a singer. Oh, what is her name? You know who it is, but <laughs> apparently she's wearing a wig. She's been wearing a wig the whole time. And I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a TikTok video where she like lifted it up and she's been wearing a wig the whole time. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. So well, wigs are so good these days. You can't even tell. I know. I want one sometimes. I know, like pink hair. Yes. Um, so your commission, do you see yourself going to rental, owning a salon in the future? I mean, where do you see yourself a few years from now? Um, so I would love to open up my own salon. It's definitely a goal of mine. Um, I definitely want to make sure I'm ready for that. Um, right now at the moment, I would say I'm not, but definitely in the near future, I definitely want to like open my own salon. I think I want to open a salon that's like more like a blonde salon, like a blonde specialist salon. Cause I feel like there's just so many blondes out there that want to go to a blonde specialist and it'd be amazing if it was just a blonde specialist salon. So that's like my goal. Um, my boyfriend's like really big into marketing and he like wants to make that goal happen. So hopefully sometime in the near future it will. So that's exciting. I, I always talk to hairdressers And, um, I always ask them or any beauty service provider, like, do you see yourself doing hair at 50? I, one of my best friends, I, she does brows. I'm like, do you see yourself doing what you're doing now at 50? And the answer is always no, but they're not Mm -hmm. doing anything today to make it so that they don't. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? It's like right now is like the time where you have to think about where you see your business going and what you want to be as an older person. Cause we do age and there's nothing wrong yeah. with being an older hairdresser, but is that in your lifestyle? Like, do you want to have a bunch of kids? Like, what is it that you are working towards? Um, I feel like 
all right, when I'm 50, I don't want to be doing hair, but I still want to have a hair salon. Yeah. Like I want to be running it. So, and I feel like that's what a lot of hairstylists do. They start in the, like, that's what art, my hair, my owner did. She was a hairstylist and now she doesn't do hair anymore. She just runs the business. And I feel like that's what I would want to do because uh, my boyfriend wants three more kids and I have one and I'm like, I don't know if I can do hair with four children. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I love doing hair, but I think at that point I want to be like teaching people and like educating them and just running it is more what I want to do. So, but I think you have to start somewhere and I think, you know, doing what I'm doing now is the way to go. And then you just go up from there. So, yeah, you definitely have to put in the work. Like I wouldn't go to cosmetology school and then be like, I'm opening a hair salon. Yeah, no. (laughs) But then there's people who own hair salons that aren't hairdressers. So there's really like no right or wrong answer. It's just making it happen and hopefully having good people around you that tell you or a good hairdresser to support you when you're opening that up. But yeah, having, I think you're on the right track for thinking bigger picture because it's really easy to just spend 10 years doing hair and then be like, oh shit, now what? I know. Well, yeah, we have a, I have a coworker that he's been doing hair for a long time and he's burnt out and he's going back to school to be a therapist. And I'm like, oh my God, we're already therapists. This is a great idea. Yeah. So, I mean, when you've been doing it that long, I, I think with anything like in this, like in the service industry, like you're going to get burnt out at some Mm -hmm. point. So I feel like you need to have a balance between work and like life. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to think bigger picture or going back to school. Like, you know, it's just thinking about what you want. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, like you said, you start at high school, like, Oh, I don't know. I like hair. Like you don't think, Oh, maybe I should think about owning a hair salon. It's like all of these things just develop over time. Yes, exactly. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to be a hairdresser or is thinking about commission versus rental? Um, I definitely think if you're going to be a hairstylist, you you should take it seriously. Um, I feel like if you are going to be in the hairstylist world, I definitely think going to a commission salon, do your research, find a salon that offers a lot of education and a lot of learning. Um, I think that is the way that you're going to be more six. I think you're going to be more successful is by, um, taking it more seriously, but also going somewhere that's going to offer you benefits and education and everything. Cause you're going to learn a lot more in a salon environment than at school. Um, I think if you want to go to like a beta salon, for sure, go to the beta Institute. If you want to be in that spa environment, but I feel like if you just want to work at like, a normal salon. I don't think you need to pay the most high price beauty school. Like mine was like over $20,000 and there's other beauty schools that are like 10. So you learn the same stuff. It just depends on what route you want to go. Yeah. You do it. Yeah. Well, thank you for that advice. And thank you for spending this time with me. Yeah. The hairdressing world's always so interesting to me because it's just, there's just so many options and it's just like, what do you do? <laughs> Exactly. Where can yeah. everyone follow you on social media? Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is ATX Blondeaholic. It's mm-hmm. ATX Blonde and then the underscore and then aholic. So that's where you can follow me on Instagram. And right now you're at Mirror Mirror in Austin, Texas. Yes. yes. Awesome. Are you accepting new clients? I am. I'll always be accepting new clients, but it's been difficult 
to get them in, but you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. One last thing. I don't understand how people say not accepting new clients. Like I'll see that on their Instagram bio. I'm like, how does that even happen? Cause you can literally make time. Yeah, no, I don't ever want to like push someone away from me because of that, because you can always make time. And like, I feel like a lot of clients will stay with you, but there are going to be clients that are going to leave. Like that's normal. So like, I don't feel like you should say not accepting new clients because you can, there's always room for more money and more business. Yes. So exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You too. Bye. Thanks again. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Bye. Again, thank you for listening to Don't Call Me Girl Boss. The best way to support this podcast is by liking and subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Instagram at Don't Call Me Girl Boss. There is a new episode every Sunday, usually in the afternoon or at night. Thank you again for listening.